Welcome to One Move at a Time, the U.S. chess podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area one move at a time. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit. You can find more information about us at uschess.org, where you can become a member by clicking on the Join button, and you can donate to our cause by clicking on the Donate button. Thank you to USCF Sales for sponsoring this podcast. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's pod. Hello, One Move at a Time listeners. I am doing something brand new for the podcast. I am on location with Emily Allred from the World Chess Hall of Fame. Uh, normally, we do these podcasts remotely via Skype, but I have the pleasure of being here in person with Emily. Emily Allred is the Associate Curator at the World Chess Hall of Fame. She has worked at the museum since 2013 and has curated or co-curated 14 exhibitions, including Jacqueline Piotrkowski, Patron Player Pioneer from 2013, Living Like Kings, The Unexpected Collision of Chess and Hip-Hop in 2014, Battle on the Board, Chess During World War II in 2015, Her Turn, Revolutionary Women of Chess in 2016, Global Moves, American and Chess Olympiads, and then the exhibition that brings us here on site, U.S. Chess, 80 Years Promoting the Royal Game in America. As uh, curator of the U.S. Chess 80 Years Exhibit, she introduces the show in the exhibition brochure this way. From the first yearbook produced by the newly formed U.S. Chess Federation to photographs of American players competing at the highest levels of international chess, the artifacts showcase how the organization has evolved over its 80-year history. Emily, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm really happy to be here and happy to talk about the show. <laughs> Well, good. And we're standing here in the exhibition room, and there's a lot of interesting merchant, um, not merchandise, but ex uh, artifacts that we will be getting into. But I read a fairly extensive uh, introduction to your career. Tell, tell us more about what brought you to the museum and whether you had an interest in chess before you came to the museum. Um, so my background is in history, museum studies, art history, and communications. So my um, graduate degree is in history and museum studies. And through that, um, I worked at the St. Louis Art Museum as a research assistant, and I worked for a private art collection, the John and Susan Horseman Collection. And I heard about this job, and I knew how to play chess, but I'm not a grandmaster, obviously. Um, so I was like, I don't know, but I applied and it's been a really fun place to work. It's a place where you see history happening across the street and then we collected and exhibited over here and you get to meet a lot of really interesting people, things like that. So what were the particular challenges of organizing this U.S. Chess 80 Years show? I think it's kind of in the name. Um, so 80 years, that's a lot of material. That's a lot of people. Um, I probably could have organized the show um, like 10 other different ways and had, you know, kind of a different focus. And so it was just kind of finding, you know, what the heart of it was and trying to match it up with um, the mission of U.S. Chess. And as part of this, you actually made a tri trip from St. Louis to the Crossville office looking uh, for artifacts. 
Yeah, we went through the photo archive um, that's in Crossville, and so we scanned a lot of photos, and we also brought back um, an archive that had been donated by Jerry Spann, and so that was really fun, actually, because it has a lot of really cool artifacts beyond, um, like, the small selection that we could show in this exhibition. Um, everything from, um, you know, correspondence about the organization of all kinds of different chess events to... Um, personal letters, photographs, um, all kinds of really interesting stuff that, you know, you probably couldn't find anywhere else. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned the Jerry Spann collection. Who was Jerry Spann? Uh, he was a past um, president of U.S. Chess, and he um, kind of helped push membership of the organization. Um, it, I think, doubled um, during his Rain and he also um, worked a lot with FIDE. He worked with um, uh, getting kind of some of the international teams organized. And we also, um, or he, we have a lot of artifacts in our collection related to the work he did to help um, get the first Piatigorsky collect or cup um, set up. So he's kind of an interesting figure in that kind of early era of American chess. So, you know, that's, that's all great background, but we're standing here amongst all these wonderful artifacts, so I can't wait to dig in and, and, and look at these. Um, obviously, we're a little bit limited as a podcast and not a TV show, but if people want to see the exhibits or the artifacts that we're talking about, is there a way for them to do so? Yeah, so right now, if you visit the webpage, we'll have a small amount of artifacts online, but for every one of our shows, we try to put all of the videos and um, artifacts online, as well as like the interpretive text. So whether you're here in St. Louis and you can't, you know, you want to know more about the show, you saw something cool that you liked, or if you're from around the country or around the world, you can kind of experience the show in some way. And the website is worldchesshof.org, and then you can search our exhibitions. Great. So we just happen to be standing by what may be my favorite exhibition or artifact. I keep calling it the whole each artifact and exhibition. Excuse me for that. Because um, it, it kind of speaks to what got me involved in chess when my father was teaching me the game during Fisher's run to the world championship. Please, Emily, d describe what we're looking at here. So these are the chess pieces from Game 3 of the 1972 World Chess Championship, and they're actually part of the collection of Dr. Jeannie and Rex Sinkfield. We have them set in a game position from that game, and they're on a board that's signed by Bobby um, Fisher and Boris Spassky. And so um, this is the very first game where Bobby Fischer defeated Boris Spassky in his whole career, not just in the World Chess Championship. So it's, um, you know, from a really important moment in chess history and even just global history, you kind of get the chills when you set the chess set out. This, you, you mentioned that it was a collection, uh, part of the collection of Dr. Jeannie and Rex Singfeld. This might be a good time to talk about uh, what their support is of the museum and uh, their history with St. Louis and, and the whole St. Louis Chess Campus. Mm -hmm. um, so Dr. Jeannie and Rex Sinkfield provided the seed funding um, for us to move here um, after the World Chess Hall of Fame had shut down in Miami. But they also um, opened up the or founded the St. Louis Chess Club, which, as you know, um, hosts U.S. Championships, U.S. Women's Championships, Junior Championship, Girls Junior Championship, 
this year, the Senior Championship, Sinkfield Cup, Cairns Cup, so all kinds of both national and international events. I'm sorry, that was a very impressive list, but, but now go ahead and give us all the champions and their scores as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I mean, but more than that, um, one thing I think that matches up with U.S. Chess's mission of empowering people um, through Chess One Move at a Time is that they sponsor a lot of activities um, or they've integrated chess into the curriculum in St. Louis Public Schools, and they've reached out to over 40,000 students through that. So it's not just, you know, kind of supporting people at the top of chess and providing a career path, um, I think, for people. It's also inspiring younger players and bringing the benefits of chess to people who might not otherwise have it. Yeah, no, and, and thank you for tying it into our mission, because that is exactly what the, uh, the purpose of this One Move at a Time podcast is, is to, to give people ideas of how they can uh, bring ideas to their own communities. And I've, I've seen, you know, small collections in chess clubs that can be seeds to their own local chess hall of fame and, and, and such. I, I imagine if people are interested in, in how to go about setting up a, a, a small private museum or something like that, that uh, the Hall of Fame has resources or individuals that might be willing to speak to them? We give people advice. Um, we get a lot of people who write to us about, um, you know, their own chess sets, wanting to know the background of them and things like that. So we, we do a lot of research requests. And then speaking of um, chess clubs, a couple of the artifacts in the show are on view to, are on loan to us through um, the Memphis Chess Club. Um, historian, and those are these Western Chess Association championship trophies, so a predecessor of the U.S. Open. Um, so if you go on our website, um, you'll be able to see maybe the only chess trophy that has antlers for handles, and that's on loan to us from them. And so I think that it kind of speaks to, you know, it's chess history isn't, you know, kind of like I guess when I worked at an art museum, you could like go online and look at all the other places that held um, works by a certain artist pretty fairly easily. We did a lot of detective work too, but um, you know, with chess history, a lot of times we're dependent on people reaching out to us. Um, Dwight Weaver reached out to us when we were um, starting to plan a U.S. Open show that we we didn't um, end up staging. But when I was looking back through my files for this show, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to bring people in. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, people often think of chess as a black and white game, but we're right by an artifact that, that shows some of the color of chess. Yeah, so this is um, a painting from the 1994 U.S. Chess Championship in Key West, Florida, and it actually appears on um, the brochure for that championship. And so one kind of fun thing about planning the show is seeing how um, different organizers in different locales all kind of gave the collateral for their tournaments a different flair. And so it's this kind of fun watercolor painting with um, palm trees, chess pieces in the sky, and then um, grandmasters around a classic car, and they're all wearing hats. Yeah, where some of the grandmasters that jump off the page at me are Boris Koko, Joel Benjamin, I think Nick DeFermian. Um, so it, 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 it's interesting. You know, listeners, I, I suggest you look at this 25-year-old painting on the website and see how many grandmasters you can name. Yeah, and then it's also signed at the bottom by many of them. Um, Yasser is on there. Um, uh, ben Feingold. Um, a few others. Um, so I think it's it'll be really fun for anybody who's got an interest in chess history. And then right around the corner here, we have what I'm going to guess is 
maybe the newest or the youngest item in the exhibit. It's our November 2018 cover of Chest Life that features Grandmaster Timur Gureyev in his skydiving outfit. Yeah, so I think that that shows how U.S. Chess promotes the game in really fun ways. And that's been a really popular item with staff. Um, one thing that we, our staff was doing earlier was comparing the outfit he's wearing in the video to the Chess Life cover. And I was like, no, 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 they did like four or five jumps to get that. It was actually about a dozen jumps they did. <laughs> wow. So um, I think that it's just a really fun um, video, and we try to do things in our shows um, that are not just, you know, artifacts or um, photographs, but kind of like moving pictures so that keep people interested and things like that. Do you want to speak a moment for about uh, acquisition of artifacts and if people think that they have something that might be of interest to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so we have a page on our website, worldchesshof.org, that talks about um, donations. And you can email us, um, info at worldchesshof.org, and somebody will get in touch with you. Um, one thing is, you know, our shows are really shaped by the contributions that we have um, from our donors. And so we've had some big donations from people like the family of Jacqueline Piatagorski, the family of Arthur Bisgeyer, um, Hans Berliner's estate, um, Kurt Braskett was another recent donation. And, you know, we it kind of informs the shows that we're able to put up um, these kinds of donations. So we're always really thrilled to honor those people who might be bigger names as well as the people who, you know, might not be the, the chess stars, but they have really cool artifacts. So this show is opening uh, today on March 6th as we speak, but this podcast won't be airing until early April. Uh, the show will be running through October 27th. If someone thinks they have an artifact that might speak to this show specifically, is it too late for this show for them, or should they just... Uh, they should get in touch. <laughs> yeah, they should get in touch. Um, one thing that happened last week um, was I got a really interesting historical video and it was too late to put it in for the opening, but I think it's going to make its way in here. And then um, if you look, or if you're here and you look around the gallery, you'll see photos from the U.S. and U.S. Women's Championships and Junior Championships and things like that. And as the year progresses, we're going to update the show with pictures of the new winners. And so, um, you know, there will be some kinds of changes that you'll see happening in the gallery as the show goes on. So we encourage repeat visitors. Um, let's talk about some of the women that are in this exhibit. Um, the May edition of Chess Life is going to be uh, a, a special focus on women's special issue. And we have a new women's program director, someone who's well known to fans of the World Chess Hall of Fame, Jennifer Shahadi. So I'm, I'm especially interested in any artifacts here that speak to women's issues. Yeah. So um, one thing that um, I've tried to do since I wor started working here is um, when we, when I guess when I did my first show, that was the Jacqueline Piatagorski show. And that was the first um, like large amount of photos of women or artifacts related to women that we had in our collection. We had like maybe just a handful of things. And so we've really tried to push acquiring um, really cool things about women. There's a whole show at the chess club right now um, that has women's world chess champions and also like us women's champions. But right now in the show, we have a few pictures, um, related to some 
contemporary names. So there's like Nazi Pekidzi. Um, and then we have this really fun picture of Gisela Gresser um, from the 1944 um, U.S. Champion, U.S. Women's Championship, which was held at the same time as the U.S. Championship. We also have um, images of Diane Savaride, and we have pictures from our very own uh, Ladies' Night class that we hold here every Thursday night um, for women, and that's taught um, by Anna Shervich. And we, um, it's kind of a low-key thing where people can drink wine and eat cheese and learn chess. We also have a picture of Baraka Shabazz, um, who was the first um, African-American girl to compete in um, the U.S. Women's Tournament or Championship. And so that's really an area where I think our interests kind of align with your guys', um, where we're trying to highlight the achievements and contributions of women because that's kind of that's how you inspire more girls to get into the game. models. And let me use this as an opportunity to plug our sister podcast, Ladies' Night, um, hosted by women's program director Jennifer Shahadi. I know that she, chose that title specifically because of your Ladies' Night events here at the World Chess Hall of Fame. Yeah, and she also participated in a show of the same name that we had here. She um, had a piece that was inspired by um, the famous game that Marcel Duchamp played against um, a naked woman, and so she reversed the roles. Um, and I think there's actually, that photo is for sale in your Q Boutique. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be able to still get some signed copies too. So that you can get that. Um, Q Boutique has a website. It's qboutiquestl.com. Um, and that also has things like the Sinkfield Cup book that we worked on together. Yes. Um, now, I'm amazed because today is the opening day of the exhibit. Uh, I know you've put a lot of work, last minute touches. I'm amazed you're stand, still standing on your feet. So thank you for uh, you know participating in this interview. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what maybe the biggest surprise that you learned about U.S. chess, uh, that maybe something you didn't know about the organization before or you had a misconception. Um, I think that what I found really interesting, I don't know if it was a surprise so much, but I, I really enjoyed reading um, the ways that different people tried to promote chess. When you think of it, it's kind of these different eras. So you've got like, of course, the Fisher era, but looking at the late 50s, early 60s, you know, how they kind of went from having a pretty low membership to increasing it a lot and the ways that they did outreach and things like that. And I found that really interesting and in kind of going through this Jerry Span um, papers. But I also... Um, because I usually work with history that's further in the past. I really enjoyed working with some of the kind of newer artifacts, like the poster that we um, have for um, Fabiano Caruana's um, World Chess Championship run, um, where the students from the National Elementary School tournament signed it. So you know, let's talk a little bit more uh, about other things that people can find here at, at the World Chess Hall of Fame. There's other exhibits currently going on, and you have rotating items. Um, speak to that for a second. Yeah, so one thing that we try to do is um, make it so we try to develop exhibitions and cycles. So there are things that, you know, maybe have more of a, his, a chess history focus, but we also have art exhibitions and exhibitions that mix chess and popular culture. So you might have, right now we have a show by a St. Louis artist, Peter Mannion, who's inspired by um, chess. And he 
learned how to play chess with the Milton Bradley um, Grandmaster game that moves the chess pieces by itself using like a magnet. We also have a show on the second floor um, that's by the photographer Harry Benson, who was one of the only journalists that Bobby Fischer trusted. So we have pictures of Fisher, but we also have like Queen Latifah and Bruce Springsteen down there. So you, there's a little bit of something for everyone. That gives a different uh, ring to Queen Latifah's name, her being in the World Chess Hall of Fame Museum. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, then there's also photos of Boris Spassky, of course. Um, this may be a little bit like asking a parent what their favorite, who their favorite child is, but do you have a single favorite artifact here in the museum, not just in this exhibit? That's pretty easy. I have two. Um, so one is the Piatigorsky Cup, which um, was created for the tournament in um, 1963 and then later held in 1966. And it has a Tiffany cup in the center, and it's, pro it's really beautiful. And then the second one is one that we got um, as part of the transfer from Miami, and it's a chess table that was created for the 1966 Havana Chess Olympiad. And so it's just gorgeous. And we had it um, restored for one of our past shows, Global Moves. And so it kind of holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> well, that's an interesting answer because I was just involved in uh, us designing a new trophy for the U.S. Championship and the U.S. Uh, Women's Championship. Do you happen to know... Uh, it, was there any famous artist behind the Piotr Gorski Cup, or you know, did she just have one of her friends in the arts design it? Um, so the cup in the center was made by Tiffany uh, and Company, and it's actually based on the same design as like a sailing trophy from the 1920s. So I'm not sure if it was something where she picked it out. We've written to their archive, and they don't have information about the production of her trophy. Um, but they have it about others. And so they gave us background information about that. And it sits on a base and it has two chess pieces next to it that are based on like, um, it's called the Regent set. It's a French style set and she is from France. And so I think she got this Tiffany cup and kind of like created a custom, uh, kind of, uh, base and things around it that fit her taste and interest. So getting back to the U.S. chess exhibit, uh, there's an excellent exhibition brochure that uh, is available for download on the World Chess Hall of Fame website. And in that, you wrote that we're in a new golden era for chess in the United States. Uh, speak to that about what, why you think we're in this golden era right now. I think um, if you look at the U.S. championships, kind of, you know, at the top national level, um, that are happening here in a couple weeks, we have five of the top players in the world competing. So that's really cool. But we also have um, higher U.S. chess membership than ever before, um, the highest um, female membership in U.S. chess. Of, you know, we have new audiences coming to the game. Um, I think that it's just a really promising era, not just at the very top, but also for you know, anyone who has an interest in the game. And, you know, and, and kind of speaking directly to this point, um, as we are speaking right now across the street in the, uh, in the chess club proper, there is the spring classic going on where, you know, 10 grandmasters at the 2600 level who wouldn't normally have an opportunity to compete have an opportunity to compete. And, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been big, huge news by itself. Now it's just part of the, part of the landscape. Yeah, yeah, we hold these tournaments um, seasonally, and it provides, I think, a career path and an opportunity for chess players to kind of, you know, that they didn't have in the past. 
Um, now, for, for me, I grew up in an era when museums were all don't touch. But this is a, the World Chess Hall of Fame is a very modern museum and it's interactive. Uh, so people shouldn't come thinking they're just going to be looking at chess boards. Talk a little bit about the interactivity. Yeah, so on our third floor, um, last year we debuted a new Hall of Fame interactive installation that replaced um, the Hall of Fame plaques that people might have seen um, in past years. And so it's really cool because people don't just see one photo and a paragraph of biographical text. They get to play through a game. They get to see artifacts from our archive. And ultimately, we want to build that out and put more things on there that we don't currently have on view so that people not only here but around the world can kind of experience a little bit more of chess history. Thank you so much, Emily. This has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else that you would like our One Move at a Time listeners to know about the exhibit or the museum in general or even the entire St. Louis chess campus? So it'll be, uh, we have two exhibitions that are on view um, through April 14th, and those are the ones um, Harry Benson and Peter Mannion. And then this show will be on view through October 27th. And so there's plenty of time to come visit it, and uh, we look forward to seeing them. Great, wonderful, thank you. And if you if your travel plans can at all include St. Louis, I highly recommend a visit here. You, you won't be disappointed. And don't forget to get your selfie in front of the world's tallest chess piece in front of the museum. Thank you, Emily. Bye-bye. It is time to announce the winner of this month's contest, generously sponsored by U.S. Chess Sales, which you can find online at uscfsales.com. Congratulations to 1989 U.S. Women's Champion Alexi Root of Texas. Your $50 gift certificate should now be in your email inbox. This was our final random drawing for this podcast. But enter our best question contest on my Cover Stories with Just Life podcast for your chance to win a $50 gift certificate to uscfsales.com. Thank you for joining us on this April edition of One Move at a Time, which always drops on the second Tuesday of each month. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. Our sister podcasts are Cover Stories with Just Life on the first Tuesday of each month, Ladies Night, hosted by Women's Program Director Jennifer Shahadi on the third Tuesday of each month, and debuting this month on the fourth Tuesday, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant National Events Director, Pete Karyanis. I hope that you have learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your own community. We'll be back in May with another Chess World personality who is helping us advance our mission statement to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess.